0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole. And this is The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and Ketotarian and the inflammation spectrum. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books and there's lots of free resources there as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's d r w i l l c o l e.com. All right, let's get to today's show. Every month it's been this is the third consecutively, we have a bonus episode that is exclusively for ask me anything. If you all know, after the end of every regular episode, there's an ask me anything. If you don't stay for the end of the episode, you're going to miss it. But I answer one of your health questions. We talk about functional medicine, labs, foods, tons of different things within health and wellness. Uh, And this episode, and we had one for October and September as well, we had an entire episode to answer your burning health questions. And we also are going to go over a case review of an actual patient where we show you a functional medicine perspective on different types of health problems. So this is the most current Ask Me Anything episode. And before you met the the last episode, you met the lead functional medicine patient team. You met Megan, who you also met in September, Emily and Andrea we recorded it so if you haven't listened to the episode you have to check that out that was the ask me anything for October um but today we have Megan and Emily back in, in, on the show but we have a new we have a new band member her name is Holly she's also <laughs> at the clinic she's she's she is on the patient team but not in patient care but she's helping all the patients they call the clinic, the email the clinic, that she's just the, the resource for everything you need to know as far as the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to an amazing human being and friend of mine and just great at everything she does, Holly.
2: Hi, friends. Super pumped to be on this end today. Um, You may have talked to me on the phone. We may have emailed back and forth a little bit. You may have met me last week on Will's embarrassing Instagram story (laughs) where I had severe, (laughs) severe stage fright. But yes, so I get to talk to everyone that calls us, emails us, um, really just the front line as far as communication goes. And I love getting to meet each of you.
0: So uh, we're together. I said this last time, but I'll say it because you're here, Holly. But I said, we spend more time together than we probably do most people in our lives. Uh, 10, 11 hours a day. And the team here are like family. And Holly's a bright light. You were actually, she was on vacation uh, yesterday and the morning meeting wasn't the same without you. So we're like all different pieces of this awesome puzzle. But let's... Jump into it. I mean, well, let's not forget the other two.
3: Yes, hello. Uh, Emily is back <laughs> and
0: Megan is here.
3: Really excited to be back again, guys.
0: <laughs> Looking forward to it. We're going to geek out about all things functional medicine and let's get into it. Let's get into the questions we're getting in from people and I'll, I'll give my answer. And then if you guys want to chime in on anything you have, I, I, they all love your perspective. The feedback we get from these episodes are pretty awesome. So thank you all.
3: Cool. All right. Well, I've got a question here from a Jonathan. They want to know what our favorite healthy lunch to bring to work is.
0: Ooh, good icebreaker. <laughs> well, that is a good one. Uh, so favorite lunch that I have. So I'll tell you what I have today. I have a bone broth soup. It's a bone, bone broth base with lots of vegetables and protein in it of carrots, there's broccoli, there's potatoes in there as well. So it's like a hearty stew, which for the fall time here in the the western hemisphere, it's it's uh I'm excited for it. I'm fasting today. I typically will do an 18/6. So I will break my fast at lunchtime. I'll eat between a 6-hour eating window. Um and get my calories in within the, the six-hour window. So I'm breaking my fast with that soup, which is a great break-the-fast meal. I actually talk about that in intuitive fasting because it's something cooked, it's soft, it's easy to digest, easy on your gut, and you're sort of waking it up gently, coming out of a uh, intermittent fasting uh, window. So that's what I have. And then I mentioned this last month, but Zevia, 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 if you want to sponsor the <laughs> podcast, where the heck are you? But uh, I love... Um, Having like a good cola zevias, uh, co- like for people that don't know, it's like a healthier alternative to soda. So that's what that's what that is. How about you, Holly?
2: Oh, okay. So everyone on the team would probably make fun of me for saying this, but I, well, number one, I love to cook and I love a good specialty pasta.
0: <laughs> I, I never learned, I never knew this term specialty pasta. You have taught me so much. Can you shed some light on what specialty pasta is?
2: It's a great thing. Okay. So since going gluten-free, I've found a brand that I love, I believe is it called Jovial? Mm-hmm. Love Jovial pasta and specialty pasta. I mean, you can put anything in it. So throw your favorite veggies, any meat, any kind of sauce, whatever you want. I love Maybe just, you know, any vegetable that I have laying around.
1: Yeah, Jovial is a great brand too because they actually have grain-free pasta. Mm -hmm. I think it's just cassava flour and water. So that's a great brand to use.
2: Yeah, so I don't have that today, but I will tell you, I would say weekly. I definitely have a specialty pasta.
0: (laughs) Emily had said that cassava flour is such a good alternative for people that have gone gluten-free and even want to go grain-free. So I haven't tried it. I think my kids have tried it, but it's, yeah, looks good. The ingredients look good. How about you, Megan?
3: So I don't always get to meal prep on Sundays. Sometimes I'm watching football or hanging out with my husband. So I keep things simple. I get some greens, and this is usually in my Whole Foods order, greens, Applegate uh, chicken, Applegate salami, and some olives and maybe some like uh, primal kitchen dressing and kind of make a half salad, half charcuterie board, if you will, and always pickles on the side too. Gotta love my pickles. (laughs) What about you, Emily? Well, the team likes to make
1: fun of me because they call me the rabbit of the office
3: because I
1: bring in salads, lots of raw veggies, but I usually don't even cut them up. I have whole cucumbers, whole carrots, (laughs) and I just tend to munch on them. Um, But today I actually have a soup. You know, bone broth is something we talk about a lot in this office, whether you're in care with us, on the podcast, in the books, intuitive fasting, anything like that. It is not my favorite. I won't lie. However, I understand and know the benefits of it. And so I brought it today. I'm excited. I'm Um, open-minded. And I do find that if I add it to a soup,
2: it's a lot easier to have. And I'm excited about it. So there you go.
0: Great. So, all right, let's get to the next question.
2: Okay. So we have next question from Kayla. She wants to know, and I want to know this too, as far as like additional food sensitivity tests, similar to Everly Well, do you find these to be beneficial as far as just being necessary for people finding out some results?
0: So we get asked this question a lot, and these are all questions that people are sending via email to us on social media, and pe- people ask you specifically, Holly, when patients are calling and for a consultation, like, what should I bring? Like, I have this food sensitivity testing. Like, what are what are my thoughts on that? They can be helpful. Um, remember, all labs are snapshots in time, and that one specifically, if you went to the lab the next week or the next month, you probably are going to see, or you could see, I should say, different results. So. The problem is, is people hang their hats on those as the end-all be-all and like that should be their food plan. So if a food is red on there, it's positive as a food sensitivity, they are designing their whole diet off of that, which may be helpful for some people, but for other people, it can create a lot of orthorexia and stress and anxiety around healthy foods. And it's just, I think the context of the lab should be explained in a lot of these direct to consumer labs. They have some support, but I feel like if you see a lot of foods positive on those labs, it's oftentimes really not those foods' fault. It's the immune system's overreaction to those foods. So it's less to do about those foods, more to do with intestinal permeability probably or leaky gut syndrome, and it's the immune system overreacting just just about every food. And oftentimes you'll see it's the foods that the people eat often. And then you can have polyreactivity and you'll see every food or almost every food being lit up on that test and the person doesn't even eat those foods. So it's at that point, what's the actionable real life solution or action step you can take off of those results. Um, you can't just eat air and ice cubes and like <laughs> low lectin bark or whatever. You have to actually have a game plan. So the goal and what it shows me from a functional medicine side of things is that you have to work on healing your gut. You have to work on untangling, untangling that inflammatory reaction against just about every food out there. So it's more of a ruling in leaky gut syndrome more than anything, then it's like the random strawberry that's that's positive on that test. And that's not to say that avoiding those foods for time can't be helpful or rotating foods when the immune system is so primed to help abate the inflammation that could be helpful um, but people oftentimes will conflate that food sensitivity test with allergies it's not the same thing it's it, it, they're both they both are immune mediated but the intolerances, sensitivities, and allergies are oftentimes all lumped in together. Intolerances are t- technically not immune-mediated, meaning that they're like an enzyme deficiency, like lactose intolerance, or um, somebody that has uh, like them. In that case, they're they're lacking lactase to break down lactose. Uh, that is not the same as sensitivities, which is sort of typically a low-grade response that you could maybe have some of them. Uh, some of the food, but not too much of it or too often because that can drive inflammation levels. And there's definitely a spectrum there as far as the severity of flare-ups. And then allergies are oftentimes more severe, Um, not all the time, but it's uh, definitely not... Food sensitivity testing is not the same as a food allergy testing, which are two different things. So I'd be more interested in looking at the landscape of their gut health, but what does the functional medicine team here think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you said it best... Really, if we work on healing the gut, then your body should be able to handle some of these foods that have even shown up before. And we've had times where people come in and, like you said, uh, Dr. Cole, that they're kind of reacting and everything is showing up. Even the food medicines that would be gut healing are showing up. And so we can't h- kind of hang our hat on that and say, can't ever have these foods again because we've got to use these things to help heal the gut as well. So I think that it can be good information and it's something that we do use at times, but we don't necessarily feel that it's absolutely mandatory or necessary to start someone in care.
0: Yeah, very great point. Yeah. A lot of people have heard about the amazing health benefits of apple cider vinegar and want to harness these amazing health benefits of ACV or apple cider vinegar by drinking it. The problem with that is that if you're having apple cider vinegar straight up and drinking it, it can be really hard on your body. It can erode tooth enamel. It can actually burn your esophagus. It's no bueno. I do not recommend that. But the way that I do recommend getting apple cider vinegar is when it's in capsule form. That's a great way to harness the amazing health benefits of apple cider vinegar. And that's why I love the apple cider vinegar complex from my friends at Paleo Valley. It is great for supporting blood sugar regulation, supporting weight loss and satiety, curbing cravings and supporting gut health so good for people that are struggling with digestive problems and it's a great tool to bring in, not only because of the apple cider vinegar in a safe way, but because they pair it with turmeric, lemon, ginger, Ceylon cinnamon, great anti-inflammatory, good for digestion, good for energy levels, good for blood sugar modulation, all the stuff that I love for my patients and the listeners of The Art of Being Well. All you have to do is head on over to paleovalley.com, enter code Dr. Will at checkout for 15% off your first order. Again, that's paleovalley.com, enter code Dr. Will. that's D-R-W-I-L-L, and get your 15% off. Did you know that over 1 billion plastic toothpaste tubes are thrown out every year, ending up in landfills and oceans? That's 50 Empire State Buildings worth of plastic every single year. Bite is reinventing personal care by making products that are good for you and good for the planet. Bite's hero product is their dry toothpaste tablets that come in a reusable glass jar and the refills come in home compostable pouches. You can just pop one in your mouth and bite down and brush. It will foam up just like regular toothpaste, but with no plastic tube or messy paste. I am loving these products so much. Plus, they are made with clean ingredients, no harsh chemicals, sulfates, artificial dyes or flavors ever, which are so common in your conventional toothpastes. They are certified carbon neutral, cruelty-free, vegan, and palm oil-free. All packaging and shipping materials are refillable, recyclable, and home compostable. Byte is offering our listeners 20% off your first subscription order. Go to trybyte.com slash Will or use code Will Cole at checkout to claim this amazing deal. That's T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash Will
1: so this next question is from Lauren and she said, what are the benefits to having genetic testing like a 23andMe test done and what does it necessarily reveal?
0: Hmm, that's great. So... We you, we look at genetics and functional medicine for many cases. For our patient base, we're dealing a lot with uh, people with different autoimmune issues, different autoimmune inflammatory problems. And it's estimated that for most people, a lot of people, that about a third of their problems are at least in part, a, a third of it, is driven by genetics or can, is, is a genetic component to their specific autoimmune problem or brain health issue or hormonal problem. So to ignore the one third is is missing a piece of the puzzle. It's not the majority for most people. Two-thirds, the majority of that puzzle is epigenetic. It's it's some lifestyle. Uh, environmental, things that we have some agency over factor, like the foods we eat or the foods we're not eating, stress levels, trauma, chronic infections, things like this that need to be explored. But we have to look at genetics. So uh, the analogy that I use is oftentimes like that mug analogy or that mason Is I, t- I typically have a big old like mason jar full of tea or electrolytes. So I'll pull it in front of the screen when I'm consulting somebody and show them like some people have. Massive mason jars. Some people have smaller mason jars. That's your genetic tolerance for stressors. And a lot of our patients tend to have smaller mason jars. They have a lot of these gene variants that kind of shrink that that mason jar size. So they're going to overflow, they're going to hit their tipping point. And that's when problems ensue. That's when flare-ups happen, inflammation is triggered, or the autoimmune problem is active in their life. You can't change your mason jar size. You can't change your genetic tolerance for stressors, but you can change and have control over what you put in it. And that's what we're doing. But we have to look at the mason jar size and what's in that mason jar to understand that person's total puzzle of genetics and epigenetics. So when you're looking at different gene Testings and there's different ones. I mean, we could look at the raw gene data from 23andMe. We can look at it, even Ancestry can get us some data. There's other direct to consumer labs out there that can be helpful to understand that genetic side of things. So, we're looking at methylation gene variants like MTHFR, the VDR, the COMT gene, the MAO gene, the MTRR gene, the CBS gene. I could go on and on of different SNPs which is an acronym, SNP, single nucleotide polymorphism or SNP. And we're looking at that gene variant. Someone can have a heterozygous gene variant. That's one gene variant. And you get a copy from your mom and a copy from your dad. That's a slightly inhibition or decrease in function of that gene speed or ability to make a... a, a, enzyme that that gene's supposed to be producing. Uh, Or you can have a homozygous gene variant, which is even slower than a heterozygous gene variant. So that's like a stop sign. The gene is working, but it's a little bit more sluggish. So someone that has a homozygous gene variant to the MTHFR gene, and there's two different locations at that gene that we're looking at. So the A1298C and the C677T. So all of this just weird acronym numbers and letters that we're looking at Geneticists spend their entire career on this stuff. So I don't want to be so reductive and oversimplify something that's very complex. And it's important for people to realize that yes, these gene variants are associated with different health problems. Like for example, MTHFR is associated with higher homocysteine inflammation levels. It's associated with different autoimmune problems like Hashimoto's disease or autoimmune thyroiditis and autism and even things like anxiety. So yes, we have to look at it, but just because somebody has that gene variant doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have all these problems. There's many people that have these gene variants and they don't even know. So it's a piece of the puzzle. It can be triggered, it can be expressed in their life or it may not be. So they could have another gene that's maybe helping that that's gene variant out. So we can't be so like genetic astrology with this, where it's like, if you have an MTHFR double gene variant, you're going to get that. And that's your trait. Well, it may be expressed or may not. So I know this is a big topic. Yes, we use that data. Yes, it's helpful, but context matters here. What do you think, Megan?
3: So I agree. And I think that For me, I am a pseudo biohacking nerd, I consider myself, and I want to know as much about myself as possible because then I want to be proactive and care for myself and do the proper supplementation, nutrition so that I can be really, really healthy. That's what it comes down to. However, I know people who are very sensitive to that information and if they feel like knowing that information is going to trigger them in any way, and I don't use that word lightly right now, but they know that they are potentially predisposed more likely than their friend to develop Alzheimer's, for example. If that's going to be triggering to them, that might be someone that I say, hey, this might not be the right test for you because I don't want you to think about that for the rest of your life. I don't
0: know if that's kind of makes sense. That's a great point uh just kind of with with the food sensitivity testing but even more so these we're talking about big things sometimes with with words being thrown around like alzheimer's risk factor or heart attack and stroke risk factor or i mean go on and on about the different things that we're looking at when it comes to gene variants yes so we definitely i like being there with somebody during that consultation to walk them through and explain all this dense information so it's it's like more digestible in a way Yeah. Any other points?
2: I was just going to say, I really appreciate that there's people like you that can take a look at the 23andMe results because, for instance, I just had mine done and all that I could really gather from it is that I have a relative in the Christmas Islands. So like nothing else really resonated with me that, you know, might show something to you that knows how to read it.
0: Yeah. So you're going to go to the Christmas Islands and...
2: I would love to. I need to reach out to that relative and see what's up. Like
0: we are a 0.9% related. Can I come over for Christmas? Yeah. All right. Do we have another question?
3: Yeah, we've got another one. And this is asked of the patient team a lot. And I know to you, Dr. Cole, um, how do you know if a food is working for you or not, especially we, especially when dealing with the reintroduction of that food?
0: Okay. So for somebody that wants to do this on their own, I talk about this at length in my second book, In the Inflammation Spectrum. So we'll talk about it here. I think we can give some tips and tricks that are very helpful that you won't get in the book. But if you want a a guide of what that looks like, a step-by-step guide, definitely look at The Inflammation Spectrum. So. It depends on the person, really. It depends on how specific you have to be to me. if it, the question is what are you noticing? What are you looking for? Yeah,
3: yeah, like, what kind of symptoms might you notice if you bring a food back in? like, we'll say nightshades. If that food is not working for you, how do you know that when
0: reintroducing? Yeah. Like what's
3: some tips and tricks to to figure that out?
0: And this is why reintroduction is just as important as eliminating. So if you're doing a proper elimination diet, okay, avoiding the foods that could be potential triggers. Okay, that's good. You're lowering inflammation as a broad swath of of improving your health and feeling better and lowering inflammation and healing your gut, et cetera. But if you truly want to find out what your body loves and what your body hates, then reintroduction has to happen. Uh, so bring ba- I always say, bring back the foods that you miss, that you do really enjoy in life. you use using ingredients you have by themselves and uh, removing them for a time was needed but you want to really see if this works for you long term. So like you mentioned nightshades in an example, that's actually a common one because it's things like peppers and tomatoes and like ketchup and all of those nightshade condiments that people use. Eggplants, goji berries, white potatoes is another one. Those are all nightshades. they they can be higher in Alkaloids, which are proteins in the foods, that can be inflammatory and trigger problems in some people. A lot of people with autoimmune problems, people that have specific joint pain uh, and digestive problems, it can be problematic for some people. Not for everybody. Some people do wonderful on those foods, and they're a source of polyphenols and antioxidants and fiber and all good stuff. But everybody's different. That's really the heart of functional medicine is bioindividuality. So, what I say is start off low and slow. You have a little bit of it and then you wait a couple of days. You don't, you want to mitigate variables as much as possible. You can't control every variable under the sign because we still have to look at stress and sleep and someone's relationship with that food. That's very, very important too. But you're mitigating variables as much as you can to start off with a low amount, allowing a couple of days to, to pass And notice an increase of any of your symptoms. So could it be a joint pain for somebody? It could be digestive symptoms for another person. It could be neurological symptoms for the next person. It could be brain fog, fatigue, things like this need to be looked at. And that's why journaling and writing it down can be very helpful when you are doing reintroduction. What do you think?
1: Yeah. So something that we really like to talk about when entering this stage with our patients is that this is a very mindful process. We don't tend to think of it like that way all the time. I think society has kind of just taught us that like, oh, you just take it out for a little bit, then bring it all back in. It's a slow process. Like you talked about, Dr. Cole, it's not a quick process. And it's a very intentional, very mindful process because we're trying to find what's working and what's not working. We all Remind our patients to be open minded when entering into a reintroduction phase because even though we've done an incredible amount of work, we're still wanting to find out more about the body. This is still a learning process, and we want to learn what works for you and what's not working for you. And so, this can still give us a lot of great answers, but you we want to be intentional, open minded, and mindful when doing this. So, paying attention to how you're feeling because you know when we have. And intake food, it's either you know going to be healthy for us or not healthy for us. So to be mindful for us when we're having something that even is healthy, like let you know, paying attention to how you're feeling, and that may be you know digestive distress, could be anxiety, could be. Um, increase in heart rate. There's so many different things that could potentially that you could experience. So being mindful about that. And like you mentioned, logging and and talking with someone about it can be really helpful to say, is this normal or is this not normal? And having that slow process
3: is, is really important.
0: Yeah, great. Any points, Emily or Megan? Sorry.
3: <laughs> Whoever, we all kind of merged together <laughs> at this point. Um, no, I agree. I mean, a lot of patients just think directly like, my stomach will hurt if I bring this in and it doesn't work for me. And we have to make them realize like, no, you have to, like Emily said, you have to be fully mindful. The body is all connected and you have to remember that. So that's, that's really the point I want to make.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. All right. Do we have another question?
2: We do. Okay. So here's a great question that I'm asking for myself as well, but someone's wondering um, are there foods that you do or do not recommend to combat with anxiety? So, like for me, maybe don't drink more than two cups of coffee or whatever that might be for you. But I think before you answer the question, even just, I've learned so much since, you know, being a part of your clinic, as far as just the deep correlation between mental health and gut health and what that looks like. And it's fascinating to me. um, But so many people, patients, you know, friends that I have dealing with anxiety struggles, just kind of wondering what foods you may or not May not be recommending.
0: Yeah, that's a great question, and I, I I've been open about this too. Like I definitely, when we talk, <laughs> Holly and I talk a lot about this. Is is anxiety is anxiety? It's like I'm prone to that too. I have a double MTHFR gene variant. I know that is a part of it, right? For me, it's not the entirety of it, again, but it's part of a third of the factor. And I have to be extra diligent with supporting my brain health because mental health is physical health. Something we talk a lot about, and your gut health and many other components of our physiological, physical health impacts brain health, impacts mental health. So the foods that drive inflammation are the foods you, if you haven't started there, start there because there's so much compelling research out there looking at these inflammatory components to things like anxiety, but not just anxiety, depression, brain fog, fatigue, ADD, ADHD, I mean, you go on and on. A lot of these have inflammatory components or neurological or neuro inflammation. So you can bring in really helpful supplements, herbs, botanicals that have some very exciting research around it and can be very helpful. But to me, you can't supplement your way out of an inflammatory diet. So let's start with foods. So the core four, what I talk about about this in the inflammation spectrum too, in all the books, but specifically in the inflammation spectrum because we're talking about this stuff, is grains, specifically gluten-containing grains like wheat, rye, oat, barley, spelt, Uh, Number two would be added sugar. Three would be conventional dairy. And by conventional, I mean like your standard dairy in the grocery store that's not grass fed, that's not whole. And people can still have problems with the good, better stuff too. But for the sake of simplicity, look at the dairy you're having. And then four, industrial seed oils like canola oil, vegetable oil, soybean oil, these type of things that can drive inflammation levels too. Um, So decreasing the core four, if you haven't done that, start there and then bring in things. It's not just about eliminating things, it's bringing in things that are very therapeutic. So we talked about soups and stews earlier. I think that's a great way to support the gut-brain axis. Your gut's your second brain, like you mentioned, Holly. So supporting with lots of soups and stews, there's a protocol out there called the GAPS protocol that we integrate different versions of that for patients, but it stands for gut and psychology syndrome or gut and physiology syndrome, depending on how you're doing it. But it's the gut-brain axis. It's a connection between the gut and the brain. The gut brain are formed from the same fetal tissue when babies are growing in their mom's womb. And 95% of serotonin is made in the gut, made in the second brain and stored in the second brain. So bone broth, I think different herbs that can be helpful are things like valerian, kava, lemon balm, CBD has a place there too, uh, because it's working on the endocannabinoid system, which regulates inflammation and regulates our mood. Uh, So those are some things and we use blends of herbs for patients that they need when they need it to be very therapeutic in targeting their specific anxiety. What is? What do you think, functional medicine team?
3: Um, so I think that's all great. And the only thing that I would elaborate or add on to just from my personal perspective is I have to check in with my blood sugar. I know if my blood sugar is up or down, it's going to mirror the anxiety, the shakiness, the nausea, irritability, like that is going to look very similar. So if I'm not eating as appropriately as I should have, especially in regards to the foods you just mentioned, my blood sugar is going to be up and down. If I went out with friends and had a couple glasses of wine, my blood sugar is going to be up and down. If my sleep wasn't good, my blood sugar is going to be up you and down. Do you have
0: wine? Is that- No, I
3: never, I never drink wine, Dr. Cole. <laughs> All the patients are listening out there. Megan does not drink wine, but if she would, it would be dry farms. No, yeah, we're brutally honest with
0: patients. That is true. They They know. You guys know. You they know. know that Emily doesn't like bone broth. <laughs> Emily they know that like Megan drinks broth. wine. If you didn't know, now you know.
3: Now you know. Now you know. So we implement the same things you do, though, when it comes to getting back in check if we do fall off track, we'll say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you think, Emily?
3: This may sound simple, but
1: whole foods, it's so important. We shouldn't be eating things where you can't pronounce the ingredients in them. I mean, those chemicals, the processed foods, they're, going, they're not going to help. They're not going to heal. And- Sometimes we can sit there and wonder, why am I having these issues? Why am I having these problems? But if you look at your diet, are you focusing more on processed foods or whole foods? If you spend the time really putting in the effort, and it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be a specialty pasta. <laughs> it could be. Wait, but- it doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> but if if we're getting in good protein, good amounts of fats, good amounts of veggies, and, and taking the time to make that the majority not asking you to be perfect, but the majority of your diet, that is going to be incredibly helpful and beneficial. Mm -hmm. And you will see the difference. Again, you might need more support than that. There are some people that do, but you will see a difference when you are focusing a majority on Whole Foods.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, and in the case review, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some other tools that are not food, that are not natural medicine supplement-based that we've seen very, very successful in relationship to this patient case that we're going to talk about. Dosis Health offers an advanced assortment of plant-based CBD products designed to help address specific needs like sleep, calm, and relief. If you're like me and many Americans who can struggle with sleep sometimes, or you're looking for a little less anxiety in your day, you'll be very excited about Dosis Health's latest additions to their product lineup new CBD Plus gummies. The Dosis Health sleep gummies in Blackberry Lavender will quickly become your bedside go to. With a powerful blend of CBD and slumber-inducing CBN, these gummies are both delicious and fast-acting to help you get the Z's you've been looking for. The Dosis Health Calm Gummies and Lemon Balm Citrus help melt the stress away. With a precise blend of CBD and CBG, these fast-acting gummies help lower the volume and brighten your day. All Dosis Health gummies are vegan, non-GMO, and made with natural flavors. My family actually really loves these. My wife loves the Dosis Health sleep gummies. My kids love the calm gummies. I love them as well. Find the new CBD Plus performance gummies and the whole Dosis Health lineup today at dosishealth.com. Use promo code WILLCOLE for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's dosishealth.com, D O S I S T Health.com. Use code WILLCOLE for 20% off now through the end of the year. The trillions of beneficial bacteria in your gut are crucial to your overall health. They break down food, teach your body how to recognize threats, and support your optimal immune strength and your digestive health. But unfortunately, there's a lot of things that can mess up your gut health, like stress, just one round of antibiotics poor food choices, exposure to chemicals like glyphosate, or a viral infection. That's why I'm a big fan of Just Thrive Probiotic. They are brilliant. I love them so much. Just Thrive Probiotic is vastly different because of one word, survivability. Most probiotics actually can die before they even get to your gut. Even the supposedly special probiotics in the refrigerated section are, in effect, dead on arrival, if you think about it your body temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. If they're living in a fridge to be fully intact, how the heck are they gonna survive 98.6 degrees? Just Thrive Probiotic is different because their proprietary strains are designed to survive, get through your digestive tract so they can actually get to work supporting your gut health and supporting your immune system. I love them so much and they are offering you 15% off today. Just go to justthrivehealth.com, use promo code willcole at checkout for 15% off. Again, that's justthrivehealth.com, use promo code willcole at checkout to get 15% off today to start supporting your gut and immune health. I know a lot of people out there like what other supplements if you got the food down or at least moving in the right direction. Some other supplements that we've seen, good success, passion flower can be good. You can get some of these things in teas. Uh, Yeah, and adaptogens. Yeah, I was going to say this. So we have the brain adrenal balancer at drwillcole.com. It's a, blend of some amazing adaptogens which helps to calm anxiety and support the brain adrenal axis the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis so things like ashwagandha rhodiola you can look at the blend of the brain adrenal balancer for for if people want to you know lean into these things and number 2 would be holy basil or tulsi can be great you can get it in tea form but we also have it blended in holy youth which is at drwillcole.com as well all good tips. Love it. Is that the last question?
3: Yeah. Yeah. you ready for the case review? Let's get into the case <laughs>
0: review. It is happening. So this is a patient of ours. She lives in LA and... She was born in 1987. I, let me just say this real fast. That last month, you guys have to go back and listen to the last month's Ask Me Anything because we had this hysterical moment, which I don't think was fully caught on the audio. Is that Andrea? who's was one of the fun- functional medicine team, patient team. She gave the patient's uh, she gave the patient's date of birth, and then there was this dramatic pause, and you can just all see us looking at her. I mean, you can't see it, but we were all looking at her, like, okay, waiting, waiting, waiting. What are you going to say? But and, she, and we just started busting up laughing because she, in her mind, she was like, am I giving too much away to be HIPAA compliant? Like, I can't give too much information. She, she was thinking, okay, can I even give their date of birth? Yes, we can give their date of birth. But anyways, I want to give you date of birth, just reference of what type of patient She is. So she's born in 1987. Uh, She was doing a lot of good stuff for health, like most of our patients, if not all of them, is that they eat very clean. They are eating way better than most people are. And they're taking good supplements. That make sense on the clinical level, but they're still struggling. They're probably better off than they would be if they weren't doing all these things, but they're still spinning their wheels. And she specifically was very much sadly spinning her wheels because she was in a bad place when we met her. She was going through different autoimmune problems and her doctor said it looked like lupus, but she never got any clear answers on that. Some doctors said it did. Some doctors said it didn't because these things are oftentimes hard to diagnose and they're so reactionary to the point where, you know, it's about four to 10 years prior to that diagnosis when things were brewing on this autoimmune inflammation spectrum. So for her, she just didn't get any clear answers. And that's honestly something that we hear a lot is like, oh, this doctor said this and then... This doctor said didn't said that wasn't true. So no matter where you're at on this inflammation spectrum, these are the people that we have a passion to help. Um, she's going through hormonal problems, acid reflux issues, digestive problems, sleep issues, extreme fatigue, autoimmune flare-ups. I'm just reading her chart here. Uh, terrible circulation, anxiety. She had detox issues. She had flare-ups all the time. Every time she tried to support detox pathways uh, or change the way that she ate, she was very much stuck in this limited, restrictive place. She had no wiggle room. That's the best way to to put it. She had no wiggle room to, to live her life. Am I missing anything?
1: She was incredibly sensitive to electronics. Um, She was losing weight quickly, missing her cycle, wasn't having a period, anything like that, reacting to almost all types of food. I remember at first it was very, I I believe, if I'm correct, Megan, we put her on a carnivore diet was starting out just because she was so sensitive to
3: everything and that we needed to kind of calm things down. Just to elaborate uh, what, what Emily said, I remember her protocol pickup and I gave her her nutritional protocol and Emily's 100% correct. It was carnivore. And I remember discussing with her because she was still having, she was having issues to even like fish and shrimp and like histamine intolerances. So she was even super limited on carnivore and that's the yeah. most limiting protocol that can be given out. Yeah.
0: yeah so just people for reference, we've talked about on this podcast before, I think we may have even talked about it last uh, Ask Me Anything maybe. Yes. Um, but I have talked about it as guests on many podcasts is what my thoughts are on on carnivore. We use it as an ultimate elimination diet as one of them, right? I mean, there are, there are other ones like the elemental diet can be another form of that too. But the carnivore diet is a way to, for people that are having this this these very much extreme flare-ups from just about every food. They have polyreactivity. Their gut's really a mess. uh, And we use it temporarily to calm, untangle the inflammation. And then we do a slow, systematic reintroduction. It's not meant to be done forever and ever for most people. But so just therapeutically, this was a great example of somebody that really, we use this as a baseline, but even these clean, well-formulated, nutrient-dense carnivore foods like fish you mentioned. And we see people, we see a lot of people with Lyme and co-infections to Lyme that have alpha-gal problems, which is basically they have a beef allergy. They have reactions to even beef. So at that point, it's like, well, you need to even tailor the the tailored (laughs) carnivore diet. You need to even be more restrictive on that. So that's not meant to be taken forever and ever, but we need to really get this immune system calm down. So it's a multi-pronged approach. It's not just about food here. Food is a tool, but we had to do a lot of other things. So what are the other things that we did?
3: Well, we were bringing in supplements, which we brought in, I believe, one, maybe a week at half dosage, because again, another thing that she was a bit sensitive to. We sent in like some sleep aids and mindfulness tools. But again, this was a patient who was already doing a lot of those things when she came to us. So we had to elevate that. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about that we brought in, because she was doing prayer, foam rolling, yoga, meditation. So we actually brought in um, FSM uh, therapy. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that because I don't know if our listeners are that...
0: Yeah, we haven't talked about it on this show. And we use that for people that are stuck in this sympathetic fight or flight stressed state. So can you talk a little bit about FSM and you know what we... What we do for that?
1: Yeah, so that's just frequency specific microcurrent therapy and to kind of put that in plain terms, it's basically um, delivering frequencies to help increase uh, cellular production and so this can be really useful for someone who has had trauma to their nervous system. So for people that we are working with whether they're dealing with Lyme disease mold toxicity, heavy metal toxicity, sometimes when we have someone come in who if they're so incredibly sensitive to our supplement protocols, food protocols, that they're reacting to everything. And even after we've titrated down, they're still having trouble getting that in. We can use a therapy like FSM to help calm the central nervous system. So that way we can help calm that fight or flight response. So it's really, really a great tool for that. She's still doing it. Um, and she kind of gives us progress reports because we basically what we do is we refer out to that, we provide them with a directory to find someone within their area. And so she has gone and and is working with a practitioner, but we're kind of partnering with that and kind of staying updated on it. But she has seen a great improvement within two sessions. Mm -hmm. And uh, she actually, because you can have some die-off symptoms with that too, However, again, that's kind of where we've partnered with her and her practitioners to help work Mm -hmm. through those. But she's seen a lot of improvement.
0: Yeah, what's great is that we got her stabilized before the FSM, but she was stuck at a plateau. So she was leaps and bounds better. And I'll read a letter even before she really started FSM or maybe right at the beginning from her rheumatologist. But what I wanted to touch on as well is the supplement Low dosages that you mentioned, Megan, is that we get people better if if they're we need to meet their body where it's at, where they're at. So we, if we have patients on one drop of everything, and if they're consistent with that, we can be consistent and and steady with it. We can get them better. And for her, we could not titrate up. So that's why a lot of these sensitive patients. That when we start these core things, even before different adjunctive therapies like FSM or DNRS, we get the core detox pathways and antimicrobial and gut health and inflammation levels down to create some resilience. And then from there we'll lean into these other therapies that are complementary to what we're doing in functional medicine. But the for her, we we had to stick with these low dosages. But what we really like for these patients is having single ingredient. Natural medicines, so you don't have a lot of blends because you don't know which ingredient's causing a reaction. If it's like a proprietary blend of thirty different herbs, and they're reacting to one of them, the whole blend you kind of have to take it all out. But so by having single ingredient, whether they be antimicrobials, gut healing support, biofilm disruptors, binders, detox support anything else that we're talking about, even like different nutrient deficiencies, avoiding blends wherever possible. So if something's not working, you know what's not working and titrating is important too. So that's why drops are very helpful because you can start at like a infinitesimal to someone, right? But it's for them, it's extremely therapeutic. And if you're flaring up with a drop of something, A, that's a high quality thing, Mm -hmm. which we, we we really like. But it allows us to titrate up low and slow for these people so you can get progress because a lot of these people are so frustrated because they're taking all these supplements and they're like, what the heck? I don't even know what's working for me and I'm not getting anywhere. So we can really fine tune what are the needle movers for you? What are the things that are going to make you feel better and heal?
1: Yeah, I, and I believe you spoke on this last episode, bonus episode. But she was a perfect example of someone that you could not push through those die-off symptoms. You could not push through those herx herximer response. Sometimes we think like, oh, I just need to push through this. She was a perfect example of no, we cannot do this. We need to titrate down, even if it's one drop at a time, and it worked for her. I mean, we that really helped with bringing in good um, binder supports and different things like that. That really helped open up detox pathways. Once we started that, she actually got her cycle back. I remember she was able to gain some weight back, was able to get her cycle back. So things were really, really helping by taking that approach. Sometimes we think that that can slow healing down and and really stop things. But for her, it only helped her body respond a lot better.
0: That's a great point is that, and all this came before we even started the things like FSM and the other things she had to do. So there's a lot of foundational stuff we had to work on for her, but then it was like, okay, you're 80% better. You're significantly better, but you're stuck at a plateau. And that's when, when you even deal with that chronic infection, you get the immune system improved, but she was in that traumatized, sympathetic fight or flight state for a long time. We needed to get her immune system and her nervous system to calm down, to know it's all right. Like you're healing, you're a lot better. You don't always have to be in this stressed, inflamed state. So FSM starts to encourage this parasympathetic, the resting, the digesting, you can calm down now. You've done your job and her body served her well for a long time and was always stressed for so long to start to train her nervous system and train her immune system to to till is really where we move past that plateau. Do you have any thoughts on that, Megan?
3: No, I think you kind of said that perfectly. I've got nothing to add for
0: once. (laughs) So I want to kind of wrap up this case review by reading an email from her rheumatologist. This is her conventional medical doctor rheumatologist to the patient. She said, Whoever you are working with clearly knows what they are doing. Your autoimmune markers are completely normal and your undifferentiated connective tissue disease or lupus is in remission. Your blood clotting is now normal. Your celiac panel came up negative and all of the autoimmune blood work I ran on you came back completely normal. So keep doing what you are doing and come back if you ever need me and maybe in two years to check everything again for safety. Isn't that amazing? She said, you guys honestly have no words. This is insane. You're absolutely the best. This is why we do what we do. So, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe you have, we all have a heart for the people. But I don't think you got to share that much on yet so far, Holly. So can you, when you see that something like that come in the email, like what are your thoughts?
2: It's so encouraging because I mean, just being honest for me, it's so encouraging. We get a ton of people that call that maybe are are down and out. They've been through it. They are irritable. And, you know, something that we talk about a lot just on the front or, you know, with our teams is just really having a heart to understand that everyone's, you know, on a process of healing or, you know, going through some, some painful things. So we really want to understand where people are at when they're calling and maybe not take things so personally because people are hurting. And, you know, that is our heart as a clinic is to, you know, help people find healing. So it's super encouraging whenever I get to see what's actually going on with our patient team and that our patients are finding success with that.
0: Just for just to repeat something I said at the beginning for context is that Holly is basically coordinating everything to the patient team. So when people are reaching out around the world, I mean, you're talking to people in Central and South America, Australia, New Zealand, throughout Europe, throughout throughout North America, and they are going through Holly and her team to really say what part of patient team is best for you. I mean, we have group models, we have concierge models, we have... like many different ways that we can be there for our patients. Uh, so Holly's seeing it in the front and it's cool to see this side of things too. Um, from coming from the patient team, I know you get, you have these amazing heart to heart moments with people and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but do you have any story that comes to mind recently that you were like, wow, I had this amazing moment with this person on the phone or via email?
2: Wow. You really are putting me on the spot. Let me think. I mean, I I get to talk to, like we said, a variety of people throughout the day. And it's really, I don't have like a specific phone call that I can think of, but, you know, I can just think of many phone calls that I've had where someone calls and maybe they're in a panic or they're just worked up, like I said, irritated, they've been through it. And it's really encouraging to be able to start the phone call with someone who is Frustrated and irritated and really just get, yeah, and worked up scared about what's going on with their health and really just get to, I mean, I do, I love getting to talk to people, interact and just help calm someone down. And so those are my, you may, might not start off the best, but the best phone calls for me are whenever I can take a phone call with someone that is like 10 out of 10 upset and end the phone call feeling like they're like my best friend essentially. So I really do enjoy <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. That's why I, I that question came to mind because I was like, I yeah. hear Holly shouting through the clinic. I had the best phone call with so and so. But
1: that's such a that's such a good response to, and it's so true because we do consider our patients family and friends. And I think that that's really important. We have a front office team and I, our whole team like this. Whether you're front office, patient marketing, we we pray for our patients. We consider them family. We really um, are encouraged when they're encouraged, and you know our hearts are hurting for them when they're hurting. And so I think it's something. that that we don't take lightly and I'm glad that people can see that and understand that because we don't on any end of that
0: so this is another amazing episode thanks for joining us Holly
2: yay this is awesome hopefully you'll have me back
0: Uh, if not (laughs) I'll just open the door and shout a little bit (laughs) hey would it come on the next podcast episode yes of course you'll be back so if you want to learn more about our clinical work all the stuff we're talking about you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's drwillcol Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.